welcome to This Week, episode three, all about writing. I have been so excited to film this episode. If you're only listening to this, uh, you're really missing out on the visual, <laughs> the visual aspect. Um, I am seated next to two absolute mountains of filled journals. I stacked them all because uh, we're going to talk about journaling and writing today. Um, before we get too far into it, I did want to say that I'm going to try to do a bit of a new thing here um, and purposefully wear shirts that speak to either a cause I'm passionate about, a foundation, a nonprofit, um, whose word I want to spread. So not exactly in line with that, but sort of. Um, the very first, in the very first episode, I was wearing a Hamilton shirt, PSA, if you do not know about the Hamilton musical or you haven't listened to it, get yourself a Disney Plus membership for a month and watch Hamilton. You'll be happy that you did. So in this third episode, I am wearing a shirt from the Elizabeth Smart Foundation. Elizabeth, if you recall or don't recall, she was kidnapped um, out of her bed, out of her home in Salt Lake City in 2002 and was found alive um, nine months later. And so I've done a lot to support the Elizabeth Smart Foundation um, and she has a new initiative called Find Them All, um, which I'm really happy to just support in the form of a t-shirt. And I will have some uh, more information about Elizabeth Smart's foundation and the Find Them All initiative linked in the show notes for this episode. Okay, so today... We are talking all about writing. I have been very excited to film this episode. One of my favorite things to talk about. So my earliest memories of having a, a strong passion or desire to write happened in fourth grade. Um, I never loved or needed to go outside for recess. I never wanted to play a sport. What I wanted to do during that free time was read and write. And I remember in fourth grade, saying I don't want to go outside to like kick a ball around for 30 minutes. I want to stay at my desk and I want to work on this story that I'm writing. It was called Pet Surprise. And my fourth grade teacher, Mr. Rockauer, I don't know how it happened exactly, but him and my parents came up with this like little extra credit thing that I could do where a grad student from the local university came and basically worked with me on the story that I wanted to write during some of the recess periods. And so rather than being like, you have to go outside, you have to do the same thing that everyone else is doing, my teacher really encouraged and um, supported me in that desire to write. And um, I thanked him in the back of Where Hope Lives, Mr. Rockauer, because I just so remember being really um, encouraged to, to see that passion through. Um, and so that was fourth grade. Writing was always my favorite way to express myself. I remember when my parents wouldn't let me get my ears pierced when I wanted to when I was 12. I wrote them a very passionate, very dramatic letter about why I was responsible enough to get my ears pierced. And uh, writing was just my favorite way to to express myself. It always has been. And then in the summer of 2005, um, right before I went into 11th grade in high school, I was working one of my first jobs as a pool attendant, not a lifeguard. I wasn't that fancy. I just literally sat next to the pool and handed people towels and cleaned the bathrooms at this hotel. Um, and so I had a lot of downtime, as you can imagine. And I would just write. I would just like 
bring a journal and write about my day, what I saw, what I was looking forward to in high school. Um, and I just, it, it became this habit almost out of nowhere in like August of 2005, I just started to write every day. And knowing what was coming in October of 2005, it's just such a beautiful coincidence. I don't believe that it was a coincidence, but it, it was, I needed some way to process what was about to happen. And when what started to happen happened when I joined the fire service, I already had this built-in habit of writing. And if you've ever seen me speak, sometimes depending on where or what, um, I'm holding up my very first journal uh, that has a number one on it. Every journal is numbered. Um, I'm so running out of room for all the journals that I have, but here's the first one. I'm on number 93 right now. Um, so when I first became a firefighter, I started writing in journal number one. Um, and you can see all of the journals that I have, uh, filled in the time since. And writing for me, before I was writing a book or before I was trying to do any of that, it was just this really, um, judgment-free space to document what was happening in my life. It just started as a way to write about how much I loved firefighting, um, how much I wanted to remember everything that I learned in the beginning of that journey. And then it became the only place where I felt safe enough to tell the truth about what was happening to me. Um, I had so much just shame and embarrassment around the experiences that I was having, not having the words that I have for them now, where I now know none of what happened was my fault. Um, I did nothing to deserve or earn what happened. But at the time, um, you know, I thought something quite different. And so these journals were that space where I could just write everything down um, and then just kind of leave it. Um, and that was really, really helpful for me. And then in 2000 and, let me get the dates right. Eight. In 2008, um, I went away to college and I had maybe like 20 journals full. And I was really struggling with the things that had happened to me and I wasn't sure how to process them. It did. It had not yet occurred to me that I needed a, a, a professional space, a space with a professional, someone who was educated um, to help someone who had gone through trauma. I didn't have any of those words or those realizations yet. And I started going back through some of these journals because I knew that I had sort of written my own story here and I was just looking for ways to get clarity and closure um, and so I, I attempted to do that by going back through all the journals that I had filled during that really traumatic time. And then I realized that I was, I had and was continuing to write a book that wasn't just about me. It wasn't just about a girl in a firehouse, which very few people can relate to. It was about so much more than that. And I had really been walking myself to that conclusion every time I sat down to write in my journal I just didn't know it um, until until I knew it so that was in 2008 and so something else that I pulled from the depths of my closet um, I'm holding up a bright red sort of pad folio um, this is the pad folio with the the 
notebook in it, the very last notebook um, that I had, which is where I did my writing for Where Hope Lives. It says Where Hope Lives on the front. Um, oh goodness. And so inside I'm holding up um, like a napkin that I had written, something that I wanted to, to put in Where Hope Lives. Oh, this is really cool. I forgot this was in here. Um, so again, if, if you're watching this, um, oh, I think the camera will cut it off. You can't quite see, but on the back of Where Hope Lives, there's this beautiful watercolor um, and colored pencil drawing of this girl running. And I just found in this padfolio the sketch that I drew to give to the artist to explain to her what I wanted the, the picture to kind of accomplish. So all of, the, I think this is a piece of paper from my grandmother's house. Um, all, I mean, this, this pocket is just busting with scraps of paper and, and all the different ways that I was trying to get what was in my head out. And the, the writing processes between Where Hope Lives and my second book could not be more different. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But writing Where Hope Lives was something that I needed to do to make sense of and survive what had happened to me. And so this process never, I mean, it was a choice in as much as I was, you know, choosing to dedicate a lot of time and, and eventually money to it. But it was something that was just happening. It, it needed to happen. Um, on the front of this notebook, I have the, the final chapter titles that I chose for Where Hope Lives. And every page of this notebook is full. Let's see, the first date is December 9th, 2009. So that's um, almost a year to the day before Where Hope Lives was published. And so I had to, uh, and you can see on some of these journals, there's little post-its on the pages. And if you've heard me speak, I've spoken about, um, you know, how in these original journals, every page where something significant happened that I wanted to include in, in the book, um, got a tab. I have some um, prayers of encouragement in this. It's just this red padfolio I carried with me every single place I went for over two years. And it's, you know, I've kept it. I've never changed it. I've never taken anything out of it um, because it's such a cool, it's such a cool thing to look back on. Um, and one of my friends at the time wrote a review of Where Hope Lives and it says, New York Times says, a book of the year, a must read. And so I, I you know, I taped that up into this notebook. So um, it's really cool to, to see what kind of all these journals um, became. And then Where Hope Lives was published in 2010 um, after I decided to self-publish it. I tried to go the traditional publishing route in the beginning and I there was some interest uh, self-publishing, unless you have a book agent, unless you have a literary agent, which I would later learn a lot about, um, you're basically not, there's really not a path to traditional publishing after that. Um, and there was one publishing company that was interested in Where Hope Lives. And you can imagine my excitement when I was speaking with them. And the Twilight franchise was very big at the time. And so this woman said to me, we love it. We love what it is. Very about it. We're going to put some vampires in it though. And I was like, it's a memoir. So so what do you mean? And she was like, yeah, 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 we love it. Going to put some vampires in it because that's what was selling at the time. So I said, no, thank you. And then went on the self-publishing process, um, which was exhausting and expensive, but was exactly the right way to move forward with Where Hope Lives. It was, um, it was, it was the perfect way to bring that story out into the world. 
And so that's, so I'm putting this red pad folio aside. Before Where Hope Lives was published, before it was an actual book, and I can't believe I don't have a copy of Where Hope Lives right there. I can see about 10 of them in front of me in my office, but I don't want to go grab one. Um, when Where Hope Lives was almost done, it was through its final edits. We were, you know, doing the, um, the organization of how it's going to look on the pages, everything. Writing for me had been such a, such a, a habit. It was something I did every single day. And, and so not having that outlet because Where Hope Lives was done, my brain was like, we need something else here. Um, and so I, I continued to write and I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, um, but I am holding the very first like hardcover notebook um, that has the number one on it. I'm very big into numbering and just keeping things in order. Um, and it says peace like a river on the front, which for a long time, that was the name of my second book, um, which is not its name now, but it was after this, um, song called peace like a river that I loved. And that's just what, what this project was. And I can, it's, it's so fascinating to look through. I'm looking through this um, notebook. There are dates in here, 2014, 2013, 2012, 2011, 2010. And so there are things in here that I lifted out of this page and are now in the final manuscript of book two. There are things that lifted directly out, but as it goes with writing, often you write 10 pages to find one paragraph that you're gonna move forward with. That is the process of writing. Writing always has a purpose. It always, it always matters even if no one is going to read what you wrote. The majority of the words that I have written in my whole life, hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands of words, the majority of them nobody will ever read and that's not the point to them. Um, and so when I began to kind of conceptualize this second book, I knew I couldn't be writing it just because when you write one book, people expect you to write another one. It couldn't be uh, just because I was like, well, this is just something that I do now. It needed to be to a point. It needed to um, matter. It needed to be starting some kind of new conversation in the world that wasn't already there. And so I was working on it always and was always saying, you know, coming soon when I would speak. And even in the TED talk that I did, there's a picture of me working on this manuscript. And I think it just, I just said, you know, coming soon, because I always, I always meant that. I just didn't know really what soon meant. And then a year ago when COVID changed our whole life and world and schedules, um, I suddenly had a lot of time on my hands and figured this was the only time I was going to suddenly have a lot of downtime because all my conferences were canceled. And so I took to the manuscript that I'd been working on for 10 years at that point. And I wrote so much in just a short period of time and really was seeing and feeling led that what I wanted to do with that story was not self-published. I wanted to try to go the traditional publishing route. And so to do that, I needed to get a literary agent. Um, and this massive spiral bound document that I'm holding right now, which is 
about 250 pages, uh, was one of the first drafts. I think I printed this out in the summer of 2020. So I was really trying to get a hold on uh, what this was before I filled something out called a query letter, uh, which is what you send to a literary agent and you just you just basically pitch them. This is what I have. This is why I think it matters. Here are other books like it in the industry to prove that people are interested in this topic. Uh, here's what sets it apart. Here's my audience. Here's my platform. Here's all about me. And I sent it out to a couple of people um, and I ended up getting connected with the wonderful woman who is my who ended up being my literary agent and I remember when I got the email from her that she did want to sign me it was like my whole body went like tingly because and I was driving with my mother-in-law she knew that I was maybe getting an email from my literary agent and so when I got it I just reached out and she was in the middle of driving I just grabbed her hand and read it read the email quickly to myself like got to the bottom is this is this a yes we're interested or is this like a thank you for playing we're not interested thing and so I was just squeezing her like wrist and then when I got to the end then it was a yes we had a celebration um and so I got the literary agent in the fall of 2020 and then her job was to sell what this book is and can be to a publishing company who would then invest their time and money and people in making it into a real book that can go out into the world. And if you saw my social media, I get a big kick out of the picture that I posted, but it was the very week that Where Hope Lives turned 10, the very week that that book became a decade old that I got the news that an offer had been made um, for my sec for my second book. And I it was such a surreal out-of-body moment. It's just it's it's one of those things that is such a shot in the dark, yet I was so confident that that was the path for for my second book. Um, and so what happens when you get a book deal is that that publishing company assigns an editor to work with you on your edits. And so for me, my editing process um, is a six month process. We started at the beginning of January and my final edits are due on June 1st. And so as I film this, it is Friday, March 26th. It's a very interesting time to be talking about writing and editing because I am a couple of days away from submitting my first and most intense round of edits and then we have two more edit two more rounds of reading and changes to make before we hit that June 1st date. And I keep having this feeling of which seems so silly because I've been working on this book for 10 years. I keep having this feeling of June 1st is so soon. How am I ever going to possibly find all the words that I'm ever going to want to use for this story by June 1st. And I was having lunch with a friend the other week, um, my husband and I, and he was like, how are your edits coming? And I was like, well, I have like 75 days left. And he was like, that feels like a really long time. And I was like, I guess that it does. I guess that that conceptually seems like that is so much time, but it's not when, <laughs> when it's, it's a decade of your life that you're trying to reflect on and make meaning out of and teach lessons from. And 
as it goes with trauma, the far, the longer you, the more distance between you and those experiences, the more words you have for them. And so my editor is just being so wonderfully reassuring. And basically when we talked last week, she kind of released me from the pressure. She was like, you're not going to say everything you want to say about these stories in this book. That's not the point of it. The point of it is to make all the meaning that you, this 2021 year old or 2021 year, 31 year old Allie, that is what this story is supposed to be. And so I think that really helped me from being overwhelmed because I was in a a space of being very overwhelmed by the story and everything I was trying to say. And just the, the reality of the fact that I'm, I'm, fulfilling this dream of having a traditionally published book um I think that can just be overwhelming and it 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 has been and will continue to be but I think I'm in a better space now where I'm I'm able to see that whatever this book is going to be is going it's it's a it's going to be exactly what it's meant to be uh you know 21 year old Allie published Where Hope Lives 31 year old Allie is going to finish the second book And whatever it's going to be, as I am this version of myself, is exactly what it's supposed to be. Um, The editing process is the most emotionally exhausting part of all of this um, because it's just every word feels so permanent because it is. Like the book is going to end at some point. There's going to be, the page is going to end. There's going to be no more words. And my chance to talk about these things in the context of this story is in the context of this book is going to be over. And so that can feel like a ton of pressure uh, just to get it right. And that's another beautiful thing about having an editor is she is in the story enough to be in it with me, but removed enough to help me have perspective on it um, and to stop me from freaking out, which I have been recently. Um, so writing for me is still my favorite way to express myself. It is a habit that I keep every single day. I am looking past the camera at my desk where my journal is laying open from some thoughts I was jotting down earlier. It's something that I always encourage people to take up the process of journaling. Um, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be very legible. You don't have to have grammar and punctuation. Nobody has to read it. But writing does something to your brain where it just helps you get things out of the space where you feel overwhelmed and you can't see the beginning and ends of your thoughts and you don't know how to process things or make sense of them. Writing helps you do it out, you know, right there in black and white. Um, And that's what I found to be so incredibly helpful in my own life. And I think I have lots more books in me. And so it'll be interesting to look back on this episode that I'm filming, like I said, March of 2021, in a couple of years to see what other books my brain has thought of. I have lots of ideas, but nothing that is ready to be shared yet. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, this third episode of this week on writing. For some more information about the Find Them All initiative from the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, check out the show notes. We will see you next week. I will be answering Uh, and trying to speak to questions that I get asked all the time about sharing your story. See you next week.